we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, we have said from the beginning that the truth will prevail. The truth will come out of this thing. And slowly but surely, we're starting to see some of the footprints of that truth. And I guess the real questions, my, my fellow Americans, are, you know, will we get the full truth and do we get an accountability for what has transpired and uh, a reckoning, if you will, of all the facts here. Um, welcome in to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. All right, so we are here and we're calling this probably, as you described it, uh, Dr. McCullough, a ferocious cover-up of the type we haven't seen before. So let me read you something here up front here. Uh, so uh, the Senate uh, unanimously uh, passed a bill this past week to declassify all information, because there's a lot more we don't know here. But anyways, declassify all information related to the origins of COVID-19 and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They are saying the bill seems to have enough capital to get through the House, which will be interesting, uh, and momentum to become law. Uh, this is after the FBI director, Christopher Wray, admitted, hey, we know where this is from. It's a lab leak in Wuhan, China, the Department of Energy. Same thing there. Senator Joni Ernst says this. She recently and this is her comment. She, she recently slammed the Democrats and the media for dismissing the Wuhan lab leak theory and highlighted her effort to permanently de debar the Wuhan Institute from receiving U.S. taxpayer dollars. Uh, Ernst, the, the senator, is leading the charge to defund also, uh, Peter, EcoHealth Alliance, the group responsible for funneling taxpayer dollars to the Wuhan Institute for risky research on these coronaviruses. What do you say to all that? Boy, I tell you what, I think these are steps in the right direction. What we learned from the, um, the, the House of Representatives Oversight and Reform Panel on the Origins of COVID-19 uh, the virus, SARS-CoV-2, was absolutely extraordinary uh, this week, and things started to break uh, several days ago. Uh, what we learned is that um, multiple scientists, led by Christian Anderson at Scripps Clinic, but include Edward Holmes at University of Sydney, Robert uh, Gary at Tulane, Michael Farzan at Scripps, they were emailing Anthony Fauci in January and said, listen, they've examined the genetic code of SARS-CoV-2. It just couldn't have arisen from nature. It had to come out of this Wuhan lab. So, uh, so then there's a conference call on February 1st with Fauci, uh, his boss, Francis Collins, uh, Jeremy Farrar, who, leads, who at the time led the Wellcome Trust in London. And I think a total of 11 people on that call February 1st. And then there's a discussion and then Anderson from Scripps comes out three days later and says publicly, the, the virus uh, did not come from the lab. It must have come from nature. Uh, and then we learn that Fauci commissions a paper to be published in Nature Medicine. It ultimately was published on March 17th. And uh, in the discussion, Fauci says, well, let's write an editorial to tell people it didn't come from the lab 
Uh, and Jeremy Farrar was the ghostwriter for this, or the main writer of the paper. And uh, Fauci uh, then comes out and tells America, there will be a paper coming from esteemed scientists that have concluded the virus did not come out of the lab. And this was published in Nature Medicine. And Jeremy Farrar, by the way, who's moved on from the Wellcome Trust, he's now the chief scientist at the World Health Organization. Wow. Uh, and so what we've learned is that Fauci had organized uh, a giant academic cover-up that these doctors indeed thought the virus came uh, from the lab. Uh, multiple scientists actually you know, are NIH funded. They may have had their funds threatened or in fact been rewarded for this uh, activity. And then to make matters worse, when uh, the WHO uh, wanted uh, to have uh, the key countries come in and inspect what happened in Wuhan early on, in the United States, uh, we learned that um, Brett Girard, who was on the coronavirus task force, he had um, nominated three U.S. scientists to go and represent the United States. And um, uh, that was actually the WHO did not accept that. Instead, they positioned Peter Daszak. And Peter Daszak is yeah. also on these papers involved. And he is the head of the EcoHealth Alliance, which is the go-between go between the NIH and the Wuhan lab. So Peter Daszak, who knows the lab well because he's, uh, he's um, sent funds over there and organized the projects, he leads this contingent who all conclude it didn't come out of the lab. So this is a giant cover-up. Uh, Americans and people worldwide are outraged uh, because so many people died uh, of this illness and the fact that it was a U.S. project, as we've been saying from the beginning, contracted to the lab in Wuhan, China. Yeah, I mean, the early reports about the modification, uh, the genetic reengineering of that in the lab, I mean, those are conversations, frank frankly, uh, that we were having, uh, oh, I'm, get, I'm thinking a couple of years ago. And, you know, and this is also a shout out, uh, Peter, to our colleague uh, as well, Dr. Li Yang, who, um, you know, risked everything. I mean, let, let me just say she risked everything. And to put that truth out there, because she knew and she said exactly what you just, just transpired, uh, what took place in China. She had firsthand knowledge of it uh, and had shared that with officials here and agencies here. So now this tsunami of information that begins here, this is after a full wide sweep of government agencies um, lying about it all, pushing back. This is after all of the media shut down and locked down and censoring and, you know, just really um, abusing people's rights, human rights and opportunities to talk about. I mean, they were just atrocious. Um, and so you got to ask now, what's the forgiveness mechanism for this? I mean, how do these people even look at themselves in the mirror? I wonder, number one, but. You know, is there going to be a full embracing? I mean, these steps, you can't deny these now, especially when the FBI is coming out saying that and then the Department of Energy. And then, you know, then you see the Senate and the House will be voting on this soon. Uh, it is a big move. And but, you know, this whole thing, I, let me ask you, I don't you probably don't even know the answer. I don't know the answer. You know, we talked about it on Viewpoint. Uh, actually, I had a DOD uh, executive CIA guy on and this past weekend. And this whole thing about holding China accountable, I mean, I don't even know how we begin to do, how do we hold a 
a country like China accountable when they sort of hold their own cards? I mean, everybody thinks that's an easy plan, but it's not so easy, is it? No, it isn't. And think about China here as a minor actor. They're a contractor. Uh, remember Jacques Chirac at France around uh, you know the late 2008, 2009, 2010. He commissions BioMeru, the big in vitro diagnostic company. We you know we it's a company in the United States too, big lab company. Uh, it's headed by Stefan Bainzel. They, by contract, build the biosecurity level four annex to the Wuhan virology lab. Mm -hmm. So Benzel, at, you know, he's now the CEO of Moderna. He knew it well because he built the lab. Peter Desik knew the lab well because he was shuttling the projects from the United States over to the lab. And funneled so, our money in there. Not only our money, but the money was pretty minor. I mean, I've been to China five times. I've been inside labs in China. Believe me, they don't need our money. They needed our ingenuity. So what was going on is by contract, China was doing contract work for the National Institutes of Health, the National uh, the um, Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease, headed by Anthony Fauci. Uh, Moderna had its funding through um, through a, a BARDA, the Biologically Active um, Research Division, you know, Biological Threats, which is kind of the military division of the NIH, DARPA the research arm of the military. Uh, this had been going on for a, a very long time, and the EcoHealth Alliance was the go-between. But instead of having independent scientists go over there and do an assessment, they kind of rigged it up. So Peter Daszak, who was kind of in this syndicate, came over and said, oh, uh, nothing here at the lab. Uh, Jeremy Farrar, who was leading the Wellcome Trust, a major part of this syndicate. You know, in our book, we call it the Biopharmaceutical Complex. He's at the Wellcome Trust. He basically concocts this fraudulent paper, you know, directed by Fauci to uh, say it didn't come from the lab. Farrar actually gets a promotion. Now he's the chief scientist at WHO, um, uh, you know, as of um, uh, it was announced December 13th, 2022, but he's going to join now second quarter of 2023. Um, uh, this is wide open deception and fraud. The Chinese are contractors. The U.S. is the main perpetrator, uh, but clearly other entities are involved worldwide. This is, as we correctly pointed out in our book, it's a biopharmaceutical complex. It's a form of a syndicate. Um, I was really struck recently by uh, Ron DeSantis's new book. I went to uh, one of his uh, speeches in Dallas, the, the Reagan um, Memorial Dinner. And DeSantis's new book is uh, in the title has the word courage in it, which I thought was um, appropriate. And then also he has an excerpt from Eisenhower's farewell address. And that's exactly what John Leake and I did about a year earlier in our book with Courage to Face COVID-19. We said, listen, it was about courage facing these issues. Mm -hmm. And what Eisenhower was warning he was saying, you know, wait a minute, this military industrial complex can get so strong between defense contractors, government, uh, go-betweens, that the military industrial complex can actually go out there and look for work. It can start wars and cause problems. Now, uh, it's not about weapons and, and shields and bombs. It's actually about microbes, about viruses and spores Absolutely. and biological threats. In the U.S., what we found out, Malcolm, is knee-deep into yeah. biological weapons development. And the Chinese are contractors. The Chinese may have separate, separate um, interests, but it's clear now there was a mistake. 
this thing got out of a lab and it killed millions. Yeah. So this is fascinating, what you just, uh, this uh, information you're putting out as well. It's very fascinating uh, in current relevant terms right now. Um, in calling China, it, it makes you really think here, calling China a, a contractor, basically a party to something bigger. That's interesting, the smoking gun and where that's at. But a couple of things here, Peter. Now, what comes to my mind, first of all, is uh, the first thing is, these bio labs are all over the world. I mean, there's a we talked a lot about this in the political circles about all the bio labs that we're supporting in, in Ukraine. And there's been a lot of talk about that with Russia there and what's happening out there on these bio labs. Again, they're they're back to funding. It's still U.S. taxpayer money. But you also said, interestingly, what they really needed was the expertise. As you're saying so they couldn't have pulled it off without the expertise of uh, Americans is what you're saying. Is that correct? I, that that's my inference. Um, otherwise, the Chinese, hmm. uh, you know, made a decision several years ago that they were pretty much going to self-source everything. So they make all their own in vitro diagnostics. They, um, you know, have little reliance on the outside world. They have all of their, um, you know, they're doing their best they can with their innovation. Uh, but I think in a situation like this, uh, it obviously took years to genetically modify SARS-CoV-2 so it could invade the human respiratory epithelial cells. And that was the announcement of Barrick and Menacheri in their 2015 papers in Nature Communications and Proceedings in the National Academy of Sciences, where it laid out, said, listen, we achieved this. We engineered a chimeric virus. Uh, we were able to get it to invade human respiratory epithelial cells. We're working on monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. And we thank the Chinese for doing the work for us in their lab. Yeah. And it's right there. And they thank uh, the National Institutes of Health, Anthony Fauci's division, the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease. It's all there in the papers in 2015. Mm -hmm. What is not expressly stated, and what I think people really want to know, is this all for scientific curiosity? Is this yeah. all for just the uh, you know advancement of medicine? Or is this actually to develop a threat, the virus as a military threat, and to develop countermeasures which are monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. And maybe that's the reason why they're in the mandatory papers. By the way, in the Wuhan lab, they were working on developing monoclonal antibodies and killed vaccines. That was also going on in the lab. It's in the mandatory papers. Yeah, yeah. The world is, uh, w we are at the beginning of opening up a whole new chapter is what's happening, Peter. It's a whole new chapter. And, you know, the threat is real. And now with what's transpired, I mean, there, there are, there are no rules anymore. There are no rules. It's kind of the Wild West in this field. And so, and now, you know, think about it this way. Two points here. You know, we'd like to think the people that were engaged here, at least the people in our country, what have you, that there's some sense of honorability or whatever. But imagine if evil people, really evil, devious people, get their hands and they're working at it, believe me, on their hands on these kinds of things. Yeah, you don't need a kinetic war at that point. You don't need anything like that. This will do its job and then some right there. I think the risk and danger of this in the world moving forward is real, isn't it? It is, boy, I tell you, and you can look at some of these actors, uh, Fauci, mm -hmm. people have focused on him, but gosh, Jeremy Farrar, uh, you know, at the Wellcome Trust as a director, now he's the new chief scientist at WHO. He just starts this job. He, you know, masterminded and wrote this fraudulent paper in Nature Medicine. 
that says that SARS-CoV-2 did not come from the lab, which is intentionally misleading. That was uh, completely in uh, coordination with Fauci and how Fauci messages to the United States. The, and listen, the WHO uh, wants power with Farrar over our health decisions uh, here in the United States and worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is really spinning out of uh, yeah. control, Malcolm. I yeah, am, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, astonished that these people have gotten as far as they have. And I really wonder if the long arm of justice will reach to them. Well, that that's the key point right there you just say. Let, let's pause on that moment that, that in, in our minds here, what you're saying there. But he, here's why. You know, I, I, I kind of jested in, in a bit of sarcasm uh, on Viewpoint this past weekend and with some others on the DOD and other uh, officials about holding China accountable and everybody's on that. But what about holding our own government accountable? What about holding our own officials accountable? And as you just said, yeah, Fauci's maybe a name like a Frisbee that people throw around here in the media, like he's the person you love to hate kind of thing. I mean, that's really what it is. But there's a whole lot more. And I knew there was behind Fauci. You just mentioned this other dude now as part of who which is as evil as you can get. And now you begin to see there are a lot of other players involved here. But but here's the thing, Peter. I mean, holding any of these people accountable. I mean, when it comes back to nobody gets held to accountable when it comes to our own country or what's transpired here. I mean, we've seen the track record of this over the past many years with 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 the establishment and the way it is that we talk about a report on all the time. So what happens here at this case, you know, it, it, back to pushing this under the carpet or how much is out in the light of day. Usually what they do is they throw up, they throw a couple of wingmen underneath the, the tires and run them over. But you never really get to the to the real perpetrators of this thing. Um, you, you, you don't have any confidence that's going to happen, do you? You know, I don't. And uh, remember, we, we still have these fundamental questions. Was this intentional bioweapons uh, development? Great point. Um, what exactly happened in this lab? Did, it, yeah. did an animal yeah. escape? Did, yeah. uh, you know, did a test tube break? Uh, uh, who was that patient zero? Was it, you know, as purported in uh, Peter Bragan's book, was it a PhD scientist working there who got sick? And then when she was sick, did she go out to the fish market? Is that how the fish market star story got going? Uh, Paul Alexander on our platform has recently uh, put out in a Substack that there's evidence that it was out in 2019, uh, earlier than what people thought. And, and, yeah. and patients have always asked me, Doc, you know, could I have gotten it earlier in 2019? I said, boy, you know, I don't know. It, it seemed explosive towards the end of 2019, uh, December 2019. That's the reason why it's called COVID-19. But um, could it have come out uh, earlier? And, and why did it take this uh, explosive mm -hmm. turn? But this is an example. You know, this is similar to this is similar to uh, Three Mile Island or, or something like this, where there's a disaster. And, and then we realize, you know, we can't contain nuclear energy as, as good as it can. When a disaster happens, uh, we can't contain it. And this is an example. When a disaster happens, we can't contain it. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, who really fell from grace when it was found out, you know, he's on the board of Pfizer, which is uh, really problematic being a former FDA official. He's on the board of Pfizer, pushing Pfizer vaccines. He fell from grace because he's trying to manipulate information on Twitter. He's back on the news yesterday. And he said, 
well, the U.S. does this type of re research, but the highest risk research is outsourced to other countries. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm speechless, but that is the smoking gun, isn't it? <laughs> I think, huh? Oh, wow. I mean, it's. It's it's a whole new world order. It's a whole new world order and what's going to transpire. Well, know? think about this. Let's go back to the military-industrial complex. What if we outsourced our nuclear warhead uh, production to, um, you know, Estonia or Latvia or Yugoslavia or you pick any country? Uh, you know, what if we outsourced it there and somebody figures out a way to turn around these missiles or weaponize them in a different way? You know, traditionally, we hold most of our military assets very close to our vest. You know, the the uh, B-2 bomber, you know, those big triangle-shaped yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. planes, you know, they keep them actually in Knob Knobster, Missouri. They're actually in the central part of the United States. You're talking about so the stealth bomber, the stealth. Yeah, the, the stealth bomber, because they are far away from coastal attack. I mean, oh, you'd yeah. have to go deep inside the United States to take out one of those planes. And they do it for a reason. You know, a lot of our, our credit card infrastructure in the United States, our critical uh, electronic infrastructure is actually in Nebraska and central and, and the Dakota's central United States. There's a centralization uh, because of worry of attack. But this idea of taking really important potential military assets like, you know, weaponized viruses or, or uh, you know, spores or other things and sprinkling them around labs in China, potentially Ukraine, elsewhere. Boy, does it, that seem risky. Yeah, well, it is. It's all it's all risky. And and, um, you know, this is why uh, China and the CCP have been invading our universities and our technical fields and our agencies uh, this is why they've been doing this for decades, and you know it brings me back always to the to the uh, to the to the common denominator in my mind, um, Peter. And it's always it's always this way for me. Evil is right here. We're not we're doing it to ourselves. This is the sad basis of where we're at, and you know it, it's I, I just it's so easy for us to sit and point out bad and evil people. Oh, Anthony Fauci's bad. Oh, China's bad. Oh, the China Communist Party's bad. Oh, Russia's bad. Oh, Ukraine's bad. All of this. And we do it all the time. But really, it's right here. The evil is right here in our home. And it's in our homeland. And the people, and it's often people that are, they dress in suits. They look pretty clean and dapper and put together. And yet their agenda is as corrupt and Satanist as it could potentially be. And that, to me, is really going to be our undoing. And it continues to be. And we're pulling ourselves down. We don't need anybody else to do it. Uh, that's my message I've been saying for years now. And it clearly plays out here in the sphere of what we're talking about, does it not? No doubt about it. It's playing out. Uh, so much of this is... And it's so deep and it's so worldwide. You're right. The word evil comes up. I was at a meeting at the Hillsdale unit in Washington, a scientific meeting in, in Scott Atlas, former White House um, task force member, Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford. Many of my frequent media contributor physicians were there, esteemed scientists. And this was a scientific meeting. And we were going over the data, Malcolm, and I was stunned in a, in a scientific meeting. The word evil came out and was publicly spoken in a scientific meeting. And wow. so I can tell you, we see this, we're seeing this now and we're feeling it 
in all walks of life. Yeah, there it is. I mean, I use it all the time. I believe this is the, the, the denominator for me. Uh, and listeners know this. This is a fight. This has always been a fight. And it's going to continue to be a fight of good and evil. That's exactly what it is. And I'll say the last thing on this, Peter, and it says that, and I, I'm just being real here, but that is the whole um, premise of this work we do here. And I, I proudly put that out there, that this platform on America Out Loud is, I, I just have to say to you, brother, is it, I, I mean this from every piece of my soul. My, it is a gift from God. This is the mission of what we're on. It is. It has been that way from day one. I, I'm very sincere with that. There's no way we could have assembled the people we have and the the wind beneath the wings of this this movement, this grassroots movement, I call it. And it's not about. I nothing. It's got nothing to do with me as far as I don't need the ego in the game of the origins of it. I don't care. I don't. It doesn't play on that. But it really is the movement of putting right where wrong is by putting justice where injustice is. And this movement, this mission, this grassroots movement, Peter, will be seven years old in April. I mean, we're we're going to be seven, and it's unbelievable. I mean, I put my life on hold basically to launch this thing. I, I don't even know why. Why? Because I was supposed to do it. Why? Because I had some sort of an internal call and I have no idea why. I don't have a clue. But here I am in the midst of it all. And it's pretty remarkable, isn't it, Peter? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? You know? It is. And don't forget not only the contributors on the platform, but our audience, our listeners, very special people from all uh, from all walks of life. I had a doctor the other day say, do you know, at eight minutes into your last show, and he knew down to the second what was said. Yeah. And it just made me think for a second, boy, people are listening to every word at this point in time. Uh, you know, I was yeah. recently at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee meeting. Yeah. And I had a variety of invited interviews and, you know, I did them as I, I normally do. But I was amazed up and down media row, and we were at the uh, Gaylord in Washington, D.C., a big, uh, big facility. No mainstream media presence, none. <laughs> Everything was independent media. Everything. You know, I think mainstream media is really, in a sense, kind of fading away. It's pretty small. The average young person doesn't even know what CNN is. They don't have TV. Wow. They, they wow. literally don't have TV, Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, and so people have said, well, mainstream media is poisoning the minds of young people. No, it's not. They don't even know what it is. Uh, we're now in the world of independent media where people can use their own discernment, their own judgment. They can choose what they want to listen to. Uh, it's free. Uh, you know, So many people on the road now just uh, download the America Out Loud app. They hit it, and you just see a range of what's playing, or you can go through a range of topics, yeah. and then listen as you drive. And because it's audio and there's no visual, you're not distracted. You can actually focus on the words, understand what's being presented. And I think what, that's one of the most powerful ways of, of learning and, and becoming you know, updated on key yeah. topics. Yeah, it's a multifaceted um, uh, audience, and but it's a multifaceted platform. You're exactly right because I've always felt life is everything. Life is our is society, cultural, health, our wellness, our mind, psychology, our political. All of these things make up life. I've always felt that's the thirst of life is to have knowledge in all these areas. That's what I. So I don't really. It was never the goal to specialize in one particular area. 
But I believe life is all of these things. It's a collective. And that's the thing about it. And that's what you get into the platform. And one of the things I can tell you, when we put a show, and, and this is such a fact, I tell people this all the time, I'll give you an example. When we put a show into the intersection, the busy intersection of the America Out Loud, either talk radio network or podcast network, because all the shows go to podcast, but we have shows that go direct to podcast that are not on talk radio. When we do that, it's automatically going to have success. Without that, it's a struggle to launch a podcast show. You may end up with a few hundred downloads of that sort of thing, but you never really get that bigger audience. And this is really a prime mechanism, of, and it's a, a tribute to the work we've done here. And no matter what shows, like the weekend lineup here is incredible. I mean, and yeah, it's a lot of work, no question. But I mean, the, the the voices and free speech, something you've always talked about, Peter, from day one, which always was uh, civil liberties and the movement and drive of America Out Loud and what this, why this was so important in the early days as we were fighting this fight, no matter what took place. I mean, we turned the lights on and got to the microphone when things were pretty dire. We were helping people out with those early Q&As. And doing incredible work and not to sit here now today and be smug like we know it all or like somehow not at all. I mean, my mission is to help people. And that's why I take serious the, the partnerships and the people we have here and what we do. I think it's the biggest thing and the biggest gift of all this. This is way beyond me. I'm just a cog in a wheel here trying to get it out there. And I'm blessed. I, I feel blessed. I'm working hard, but the fact that I can do this every day and put this out there, as you do, I mean, look how blessed you are. Yeah, you're working your tape. You've never worked this hard in your life. But by golly, the rewards for it are incredible. I mean, I'm talking about mentally, psychologically, your life, your purpose. Don't you think, Peter? Don't you think? It's true. And, you know, so many contributors, you know, I think of uh, the girls that have come together for Nurses Out Loud and Tom Rents and Paul Alexander and, and so many contributors on the platform, uh, you know, collectively we view this as uh, the most rewarding work in years of our lives because it's impacted such a huge number of individuals. And uh, we haven't just been bringing bad news. We've been trying to bring solutions, uh, trying to, uh, you know, have as much interchange and dialogue as possible. And, um, uh, you know, despite the the, the the overwhelming nature of this worldwide crisis. There are clearly bright lights. Uh, there's been a tremendous amount of good that's come out of this. We've seen uh, compassion. We've seen extraordinary human efforts. Uh, and, and now we're just starting to see the, the beginnings of what we anticipate to be a very extensive phase of justice investigation and justice brought forward because you're right wrongdoing was committed and it is evil yeah it sure was yeah i uh all right um well i have such a lift in my spirit right now i can't even describe it it's i just totally got um I, it's hard to even explain to you but goosebumps all over my my body just amazing just just a, such an uplift in my spirit in my soul uh, for the work we've done. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's I, I'm speechless with it really and truly. Um, we'll take a pause right here, friends, and uh, we'll join you just on the other side here with listener questions here on America Out Loud Pulse. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19? We have a, an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients, and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's Immune Super Boost. It's a, a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the immune super boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Let me tell you, this is an innovation. The Genesis Fogger uses HOCl. This is a form of hypochlorite. This is a powerful disinfectant uh, that is tried and true. It's for sure kills SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus, but many other pathogens, including bacterial as well as uh, mycofungal pathogens, enter the Genesis Fogger. It is a powerful mister. It's a dry mist, and it does cleanse the air. It does uh, have an, a tremendous uh, disinfectant capability for the room. It's used for industrial purposes uh, and elsewhere, but now it's brought to you in your home to better defend you against SARS-CoV-2, the virus, COVID-19, as well as a host of other pathogens. So if you go to uh, the uh, promotional code and enter in, out loud, you can receive a discount off of your first purchase. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and take a look at it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Join you back here, friends, on America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, this is Q&A uh, 59 uh, here today here. And uh, we started talking about a ferocious cover-up. And, uh, you know, our talks always come down to humanity and the fight of good and evil and what it's all about. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's unbelievable, really, that... Uh, we have that we have these kinds of talks and you know we're just it's an open mic it's just being honest and real and authentic as we can be that's what this is all about but i love what dr mccullough said before the pause as well and that solutions and ideas for people and that is so important here the human spirit and people not one life is worth losing over this thing you know what i mean not one life was worth losing and look at how many we've lost and it's it's beyond sick and sad and evil and disgusting as we put out this fight. But, you know, we have been uh, we've tried to be that beacon for folks and we get so much correspondence, so many emails in hand. There are days, Peter, where I've gotten in some messages from people that are so dire and so difficult and personal information people share. And I always guard that carefully and never divulge that with anybody or names out and really try to protect people in every way that we can, but try to deliver sources of information out there. You know, throughout all of these conversations we've had, uh, you have always tried to provide such honesty and authenticity and answers and credibility in helping people out on this platform and network more than any other media we've done our own shows and the program here at American Out Loud Pulse, which really was a, an amazing uh, concept here, actually, now that I look back at it and see it. Uh, and our whole motive has been really to help people. I mean, that's really it. If we can lift people up, improve lives, uh, that really is the uh, agenda here. And so thank you for saying that with the solutions and all that we bring before we jump into the questions here. It really makes a difference. And I, it's been a pleasure and an honor for me in this lifetime to work with you and to get to know you has been truly an honor, uh, Peter McCullough. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. And, you know, right back at you, it's been uh, a terrific, terrific professional and personal highlight to be here on the platform and, and actually have a voice now that spends every week uh, on the McCullough Report and then also now on Pulse uh, extends and reaches across the world. But Pulse is unique because it gives us a chance to answer questions. And Malcolm, people have been stonewalled by public health agencies, by health systems, hospitals, even their doctors. You know, most patients will tell me, listen, my doctor shut me down. I couldn't even discuss this. Uh, and, and and they come into the office and they just they just want an open discussion about the the virus, the, the vaccine, but they are basically shut down. It's a, you know, the stance is what I call the Heisman, which is just, you know, outstretched hand, palm open. I, I don't want to talk about it. That's right. And there's a lot of that out there indeed. 
Well, this is Q&A 59. We're going to jump into a few questions here. And, you know, over the weeks and months ahead, uh, I'm going to be committed to bringing out more programs and more ideas to help people uh, that are both struggling with long COVID, long hauler syndrome, and with vaccine injured. And this is really the new pandemic to me in my mind is these areas here where we're trying to pick up the pieces and now help people get their lives back, reclaim their lives. Let's call it that, reclaim their lives. And there are a lot of things we can do. And even with people like Dr. Henry Ely and naturopathic uh, mechanisms and things we can do to improve lives. Uh, and so we'll be looking at a lot of that. We'll also have some exciting news and announcements in the next many weeks new products, new ideas, new things that can help you uh, answer a lot of your questions here. So uh, in the meantime, we try to bring in the best sponsored uh, partners we can. That's why we have companies that you see on the platform there. And we, uh, uh, with the movement, I didn't get a chance to dive into too many today, but let me drive into some questions right now with you and we'll see how all this goes here. Uh, this one here is from Patty. She says, an understanding of where we are with variants of COVID, how are they manifesting and how are they being addressed? What is this new COVID virus in China? Is it the same strain as the original? In other words, did they have the virus stored and re-released it again? There, there were reports of that, actually. I know what she's saying. And could that be done? Is China trying to scare the world into getting more of these biological weapon shots called the COVID vaccines? Do you have any how do you answer Patty on that? So. The way to think about that, Patty, is um, that the virus exists in millions and billions of little virions in, in, you know, when someone gets sick. And in fact, uh, you know, if we subscribe to what's called the, the terrain theory is that the, the virus is ubiquitous. We're getting exposed to it. Now other viruses probably all the time. And uh, because it exists in millions and billions of variants, it's replicating. And so when it replicates and tries to make another copy of itself, it makes mistakes. It's just net, it's, it's nature to make mistakes. And so it, there may be, let's say 1200 different variants uh, there. And as the virus is making mistakes, but when a, a particular variant um, a particular strain finds it an advantage over others. When it finds an advantage over others in a particular setting, let's say somebody who took the vaccine, then it can become hyperdominant and predominate. And that's exactly what happened when we got to the Omicron strain. So Omicron, as, as a strain, it was highly mutated. It learned how to live inside a vaccinated person and thrive. And in fact, it out-replicated Delta by 70-fold. And so because it generates immunity against Delta, it basically just shut off the Delta variant and Omicron became the dominant strain. But Omicron has so many mutations within it, there are subvariants where it's still the Omicron family, but it's subvariants. And the same phenomenon is occurring there. Our current dominant strains are BQ and XBB. And those are the ones in China that turned out to emerge. I don't think they're intentionally produced in a lab. They're not concocting. This is basically a form of we're seeing, uh, you know, the uh, ecology of the virus, uh, what they call evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. It's it's that it's it's occurring real time as the virus is finding different um, environments. Our hope is that enough people now have been th through it that the virus can't get a stronghold 
because natural immunity is so comprehensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's out in the wild now is what we said from the get-go, and that's what's happening here. Uh, this is an interesting uh, follow-up. This one's from someone out of China. This is from Yang, and there's a little bit of interpretation with the – it's a brief question, but uh, he said, for the same virus, the Omicron that we're just talking about, he says, I got really confused. Why uh, uh, are so many people in China being seriously affected of lungs uh, in China while much – Calm, calmer in other parts of the world. Hmm. The answer, Yang. Yeah, that's exactly when I interviewed Dr. Yingming uh, Yang on this. Gosh, uh, now maybe a month or two ago, that's exactly the report. Is for some reason they were getting Omicron variants, but there was much more pulmonary injury, and that was the perception. That was the reports coming out of China. Um, it was hard to corroborate all that, but if we take it at face value. Um, there may be some special interaction. You know, China is a very vertical country. People live in high rises uh, and it's just the way the country is. There's not a lot of individual houses. People aren't spaced out. Uh, the inoculum uh, when someone does get sick may be uh, much greater. Uh, there, there may not be uh, nearly as good as ventilation. Um, it was unclear if they had really picked up on the use of virucidal nasal washes and gargles, which cuts down that, that pulmonary involvement has been shown in randomized trials. And it was unclear if they had much in the way of early treatment. So what we may be seeing is a, a, a setting where we haven't had all the principles applied that we've learned in the last three years. And, and indeed, Omicron can cause serious pulmonary involvement. It's a rare patient I see nowadays, Malcolm, who has not used home treatment. Our message really has gotten out. Amen for that. It certainly saved uh, our lives here and um, personally, yeah. Uh, Laura says, uh, my son is currently attending a Christian university and is studying uh, pre-med, uh, pre-medicine. He wants to be a doctor, but is concerned with the woke CRT movement and getting accepted to med school. He's also choosing to not be vaccinated. Is there hope, Dr. McCullough, for this bright young man to become a doctor in today's society. What is your opinion on conservative young men and women wanting to become doctors, but not programmed doctors? What a great question from Laura. Great question, deep and, and fundamental. Uh, the answer is it's gonna take courage and it's also gonna take strength. Uh, I don't think anybody is gonna create that pathway for this young man. And for the first time, instead of having things laid out for young people, I think they're going to have to create their own destiny. They're going to create their own uh, you know, personal sense of integrity and in how they're going to operate in the world. Uh, there is clear-cut indoctrination, and there are threats of indoctrination that are formalized now in curriculum, including critical race theory, including um, gender uh, intentional gender ambiguity uh, and uh, this indoctrination into uh, mandatory vaccination, which you know violates that that physical aspect of of life, the medical freedom. And so it's going to take courage. It's going to take independence. It's going to take people who really step up and change the world. Let me give an example in medicine where a single person, a single couple changed uh, the world. When I went through training, Malcolm, uh, it was absolutely brutal. Uh, we had to uh, sleep in the hospital. You know, For years, 
uh, every third night, every fourth night. We, we worked incessantly. There was no attention to our personal safety or health. We, I could easily work 36 hours in a row, you know, not a drop of sleep, you know, working on patients, doing surgeries, procedures. And uh, uh, it was dangerous to the doctors, but even more dangerous to the patients. And this went on forever. Um, there was a famous book written about Bellevue Hospital in New York called The House of God. And it was just about the absolute abuse of doctors. Uh, and what doctors went through in their training, honestly, was far more difficult and arduous than being a Navy SEAL or being in the military. I'd rather do some push-ups and uh, go march through some mud than have to stay up 36 hours doing surgeries. I mean, honestly, it's just, it was far more rigorous. And what happened is uh, a mistake was made in patient care in a, in a woman named Libby Zion in New York. Mm -hmm. And I actually know uh, both people and both of the, the intern and the resident involved in the case. And she died. Mm. And the parents, when this came to afford that it was a, because of these sleepless doctors who were being absolutely abused in this fraternal system resulted in this death. They were relentless in the Libby Zion case for what's called work hour reform in medicine. And because of a single case, uh, the rules came down that said doctors couldn't work more than 80 hours in a week, which is still double the work week for most people. And that there, we, we couldn't go on so many hours without sleep and take rest breaks and things like this. And it changed the world. Uh, uh, but if you can imagine someone previously we could be forced to try to do a life-saving operation on no sleep after you know two days of being awake that'd be similar to someone flying an airplane uh, without uh, two days of sleep continuously working uh, what a single case changed the world my point to this question is a single person who believes this is unjust uh, that this is corrupt and uh, it's intentional indoctrination who bucks this and wins and prevails will change the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, from a young age, uh, Peter, my son, I, I would always say to my son about character, tell him about character. Back to Laura's point here, what's character? And I, oh, I told him from being a young boy, six, seven years old, all the way forward to current day today, and he's just, just getting into college, just in college now. And I tell him, character is doing the right thing when nobody is looking. We need more people today to do the right thing when nobody is looking. There's absolutely no doubt about it. When I, I mean do the right thing, that is the way someone carries themselves. Remember, indoctrination is an attempt to change someone's behavior. If the behavior doesn't change, and the thoughts don't change, then the indoctrination fails. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you, but I am completely unaffected by critical race theory. I'm completely uninfluenced personally by wokeness, mm -hmm. uh, by gender ambiguity. I'm personally unaffected. It's not, it's, I don't have a single new fiber in my body that thinks any of these things are, are good ways to conduct my life. And it's going to take that degree of resolve and uh, people being comfortable with how they're raised. You know, these things, by the way, Malcolm, that we talked about, most of them are formed ages zero to six in life. That's right. It's very That's early. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say that all the time. You're, 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 at that point, you're a person. You've got a mind and a thought. It's that early upbringing, right? That's so valuable, so important. Um, 
Let me get all these others. Let's try to get a few others in here. This one's from Edwin. Um, if I tested positive today for COVID, should I expect ivermectin to be as effective on current variants as the originals? Short answer, yes. It is. Uh, almost everybody now has a supply of ivermectin. People acquire it uh, usually just in bulk order from overseas. But the answer is yes. 0.6 milligrams per kilogram, five days. Sometimes we extend even up to 30 days in severe cases, but it's it's equally as effective as it, as it was in the past. Okay, good. This one's from Jennifer. If someone had one J&J shot over a year ago, what testing would you recommend they have done? Anything they should take now? Are you seeing any difference in side effects with J&J than the others? J&J may have a greater tendency towards blood clots early. Uh, the risk period is clearly 30 days. The longest I've seen a J&J blood clot is about five months afterwards. Um, but the risks continually go down provided there's not another COVID infection on top of it. So I would think of it that way. Most people now, the risk period is far in the rearview mirror. Most people took these shots back in in uh, 2021, Malcolm. So it's it's been a long time since they've had one. Okay. Uh, this one's from Gerardo. Are there any protocols to help those who have taken their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine, but no side effects have been experienced? How do people detox? Right now, no suggestions. This goes to the prior question too. If people don't have any symptoms and they're fine, I, you know, I really don't think any intervention is needed. I, I think it should be symptom driven. Remember, we don't know how much uh, genetic material people get with each shot. We don't know how it's disposed of. Uh, and the last thing we want to do is conjure up a lot of fear where it's not needed. There's enough people, by the way, who have symptoms that we're, we're tending to that I think those without symptoms, provided they don't take any shots, they can just move along with their lives. Okay, Mary Jo says, I'm an unvaccinated healthcare worker. How? What can I do to protect myself from shedding? Wow. At this point in time, you know, multiple studies show that uh, 94% of us clinically have had the infection. 97% of us have protection. 99% are seropositive against the spike protein. I am not worried about spike protein whatsoever. Uh, the single greatest concern is shedding of the genetic material. Uh, we now know in a paper from Castro Yuta and colleagues that the messenger RNA is circulating in blood for 28 days, which as long as they've looked... I've given people a general guidance that uh, someone freshly vaccinated should re refrain from close contact, kissing, sexual contact, uh, blood donation for at least 90 days. And if we learn more, that 90 days could get longer, but it's not going to get shorter. Okay. This one is from, uh, I'm just going to call him John. It is from a, a doctor and I don't want to give his full name because it's a, it's a personal question. So uh, John says, I'm trying to reach out to Dr. McCullough because of my father. My father is 77 years old. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and he was told he has, uh, the, oh, he was stage one in August. He has rapidly declined since then. He has uh, a continuous grunt growl that he does and has a hand tremor that doctors say are both atypical of Alzheimer's. He and my mother were vaccinated and boosted January 21. 
second dose uh, February 21, and boosters uh, later in 21, Moderna. I am curious if you have found a link between the vaccine and these symptoms, and if so, what potential treatments you might recommend. And thank you, Dr. McCullough, in advance for your persistence in helping Americans. This is from, again, a doctor. John, go ahead. Well, let me just make some comments, and this probably would be the last question. Uh, quickly, uh, before COVID, if there was a rapidly progressive dementia with movement disorder like a tremor, almost certainly that's called Lewy body dementia. It, it's a specific form of dementia that almost always is fatal, unfortunately. That's before COVID, and it moves fast, and I've seen it in my practice, and it has been fatal in my practice, and there's no treatment for it. Uh since we've had COVID and particularly the vaccines, the vaccines can accelerate Parkinson's as well as dementia. A paper by Mortz and colleagues described a, a fatal case after the third uh, dose. Um, at this point in time, I don't think uh, there's any specific uh, treatment. The typical Alzheimer's drugs work best early uh, and we can't make any therapeutic claims, but there's great excitement about uh, natokinase which is a form of a supplement. Uh, it's you know, safe. It's been used in atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, and it's a part of many of these detoxification protocols right now, but we can't make any therapeutic claims because there are no human studies. Uh, so I think that's the best I can uh, put information out there regarding this case. It sounds like a slowly body dementia potentially worsened by COVID-19 vaccination. Okay. All right. Uh all right, that is uh, just about uh, here at the end. That's going to be a wrap for us here on America Out Loud Calls. Now, remember, the program, this show plays every day. Uh, you can get it at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We have fantastic hosts every day of the week. Anyways, all the shows go to podcast, of course, friends. Help us to continue to get the uh, out loud truth out around the world. Um, that, And hopefully uh, the truth will prevail. Uh, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat of him.